0: If it was just about right and wrong, well, it's a slam dunk and the story is a, has no power because the older brother was right, the younger brother was wrong, and therefore the father doesn't have to run to him and give him any kind of welcoming gesture. But there's this other thing about love, which is there's something more at stake than being right. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright.
1: Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by Bishop Wright's Four Faith weekly devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. Um, During Lent, Bishop Wright is doing a video series called Growing in the Wilderness. You can check that out at episcopalatlanta.org. Hey, Bishop. Hey. You call this week's Lenten Devotion appreciation. You name the two-real dynamic of family drama.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) You highlight the joy of the father being reunited with the son who returned, which is juxtaposed by the enmity and bitterness that turns inside the brother who never went astray. So I'm wondering if you can share your overall thoughts about the <laughs> hidden within this gem of a story.
0: All right, so let's back up a minute. So what we're talking about today really is the story of the prodigal son, which is a, an oldie but a goodie one of Jesus's best. Some people know it as the prodigal uh, the story of the uh, the parable of the loving father, right? And uh, you know, even secular society, you know, has some sense of what the prodigal son story is all about. It's a it's a kid who who goes out and squanders the money and ends up in a brothel and the famine comes and blows the doors off of his life. And he ends up being a hired hand and even eating with pigs, which was a terrible thing for a young Jewish boy. Um, and so w- what I wanted to do in this story was just take a, take a deeper dive because what people do is they get caught up, you know, in the, uh, in, in picking sides in the story. That's the trap of the story. Uh, There's the younger son who is foolish, uh, but there's there's the older son who is trapped in his cynicism, right? So so one, uh, you know, he gets his epiphany um, because of 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 lack, of want, of trouble, Uh, and then the older son never quite gets his epiphany uh, because his eyes are blinded by privilege, uh, and um, and bitterness, and so you know, it's just a great story. To, to think with Jesus, you know, Jesus throws the story out and uh, he wants us, I mean, the point of Jesus' story is, is that he wants us to know the mind and the heart of God. What is the mind and the heart of God? That you and I find our way home, that you and I find our way back. And if we ever take one step uh, in that direction, God comes running down a dusty road towards us, uh, despite uh, our misdeeds, our misdoings, our bad decisions, our stupidity. You know, there's there's this there's this loving God running towards us, not running away, not castigating, shaming us, uh, and so that's the big deal. And so I I, I would just want to give people another lens to look at the story, and and you know, and the story through the lens of appreciation. So what does it mean to appreciate in in this story? And and, and I make the case about that.
1: Well, it's Lent, and so to me, it's easy. <laughs> it's easy to put ourselves in the shoes of the prodigal son, or you know, to return to the father or to even be in the shoes of the father to forgive someone who has wronged us. And, and yet I'm, I'm maybe infatuated a little bit by the other son, you know, the brother. And so I'm I, I, like, I'm sure many of us can easily identify with him in his own unique way, who is also living in a sort of wilderness.
0: Sure he is. Yeah. Right.
1: And so, Do you have any advice for those who identify with the other son?
0: No, I have no advice. I, I just tell you that the story is just absolutely delicious. And, and so, you know, I, ha, you know I, I think if we're honest and we've lived just a little while, you know, we've been the younger brother, like we've been foolish, right? Um, we, we've, we've ignored wise counsel. We thought we knew better than everybody else. And, and there we ended up uh, trapped in the, a prison, a wilderness of our own bad decisions uh, and need, need some help. Um, And so that's the one brother. And then we, some of us and I have been as well, I have been the, 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 faithful rule keeping, keeping it between the lanes, older brother, you know, who, who, you know, gets up early and goes to bed late. I have been, I have been that dude who also wonders why in the hell other people can't get their stuff together. And if they were a little bit more like me, oh, wouldn't the world be better? And so I know I'm not the only one who, who has had those thoughts in the family, in the marriage, uh, at the office. Uh, you know, the older brother speaks in terms of them and those. And, uh, uh, you know, even in this story, the older brother says to his father about his younger brother, your son, which is, the, which is a, 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 an interesting move, isn't it? Uh, because he, he is disassociating himself Uh, with his brother. And it's really interesting that the father doesn't let him get away with that. Uh, And so when the older brother in his bitterness uh, realizes that a party is going to be thrown for the younger brother and that he gets jewelry and a new pair of shoes, you know, and a barbecue in his honor, right? Lavish party. Uh, This just uh, throws the older son, you know, just sort of, you know, out into the stratosphere. And uh, he says, you know, your son, your son lived, uh, you know, in, in desolate living. Your son, you know, mixed it up with prostitutes. Your son did all that. Of course, the old, the father says to him, your brother was lost and now is found. And so, you know, number one, the, the, you know, part of the genius of the father in the story is that he's trying to help the older brother appreciate the bond of being a sibling, Right. Uh, the the irreducible bond of being sibling. And so that is true for us in my in my own in our own lives with our, our own siblings, but it's also true true in terms of the human family and that we're all actually siblings and in any distancing we want to do for any good reason that we can come up with is really at odds with the mind of God. And so while we have a real good reason to say this or that or you know or they've hurt me or they've disappointed me and all that is legitimate. you know, the older brother's pain, his bitterness is understandable and legitimate, but he gets stuck there. you know, the younger, foolish brother at least finds his way back from the pig trough and he gets an epiphany. he's open to he's he's made to be open. Uh, and the limit of the parable, the limit of the parable, is is that uh, we don't know what happens after the banquet. We don't know what happens. To the older son's heart, after the father helps the older brother understand that, hey man, this guy's made terrible choices.
1: I don't know, Bishop. I kind of feel like I don't. I, this is maybe a little bit meta. <laughs> so, go for it. Uh, maybe the banquet's heaven. It could be, and maybe the the bitter son who can't let go of his bitterness is choosing hell over I, heaven.
0: I I, I like. I like, uh, I like how you're working on it. I like how you're working on it. And, and, and isn't that what we say about heaven, right? I mean, I've preached enough funerals to be able to say, we, we do say that. We do say that there is this um, wonderful banquet that is prepared for us, right? We will be re- reunited with those we love. And, uh, you know, and we will be in the near and dear presence of God, in the welcoming arms of God. And 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 what if that kind of graciousness and openness and welcome uh, we can't give our hearts to? And what, and what if we end up getting stuck in, you know, not a fiery pit in some sort of meta-universe, but, you know, maybe the fiery pit of our own sort of pride and judgmental, you know, nature. I think, you know, I think a lot about heaven and hell. And, you know, one of the things that I think I know now is, is that, Hell then can't be any worse than hell now of our own isolation, our own brokenness, enmity. Uh, I've seen family strife close up, Uh, you know, just, you know, the corrosion of families and marriages. I've seen contempt. I've seen how resentment can get as wide as a river. I mean, hell can't be any worse than that.
1: All right, friends, we'll be right back after a short break.
0: Hi listeners, this is your producer Easton Davis, thanking you for listening to Four People, a space of digital evangelism. We are in the final week of Growing in the Wilderness, a five-part series with Bishop Wright. We encourage you to watch each week with a friend and download the reflection guide to take a deeper dive. Join us in keeping a holy lent. And now back to Four People.
1: Welcome back to Four People. Um, Bishop, I have a banned phrase in my household. Like, my children are not allowed to utter the words, that's not fair. (laughs) Because I feel like I've tried to teach them that fair is often subjective and it's rooted in comparing, which might very well be uh, the catalyst for coveting. And so I'm wondering if you have any insights about ways people might recognize when they're falling into the trap of playing the comparison game,
0: you know it's interesting. I think that's that's part of the trap that that consumes the older brother, right? And and that's also where you see the the elegance and the beauty of the father in the story. The father is able to try to meet each one where he is, right? Um, he says to the older brother, "Hey, I see you." You've been here with me all along, and everything I have is is yours, really, right and at the same time, he sees the lostness uh, of the younger brother and runs down the road uh to say, "Hey, I see you," but he doesn't even use words, it's just these wonderful welcoming gestures and so 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 he does i think model for us something that is very difficult, uh which is not to try to uh uh you know. Succumb to this cookie or boilerplate thing that we do with people, right? And try to try to find a way to meet people where they are, and to realize that uh, my struggles may be easy for you, right? And your struggles may be easy for me, but I shouldn't castigate you. You know, the cast, we shouldn't castigate one another back and forth. And so he does that, and it, and at the same time, what the father does in this notion. Of the two sons uh, is is that he makes us know that there's something more at stake uh, than to be right, and I think that that 's sometimes where the problem gets to for us is is that we put the ultimate bar on if we 're right right and uh, there are many ma- marriages that have uh, that have uh, that have ended, and uh, there's a lot of enmity in families, when when the bar, the gold standard is is rightness. And what Jesus comes to tell us and uh, and model for us uh, is there is another bar uh, for us that is above uh, being right. It's, it's not that we have any problem with being being right. It's just that it is not the top of the mountain. Uh, why do we know that? Well, we, we know that because the Bible tells us when we were uh, yet in our sins, Jesus came to us. So if it would have been about rightness, there's no such thing as grace, right? There's no such thing as unconditional love. When Jesus has a conversation with the thief on the cross, is that about rightness or no? He's inviting uh, he's inviting a thief and a criminal uh, who is justly being punished, according to scripture, uh, into paradise with him. And so all along, Jesus keeps telling us these stories which sort of uh, break the hard ground of our sort of default way to understand ourselves and the world. And it's off-putting. We don't, sometimes if we're honest, we don't like Jesus for some of these stories. You know, there's a story that's sort of in the spirit of this about, you know, some workers went out to work and they had been working long and hard. And then some workers came right at the end of the day and they might, you know, picked up the shovels and put on their hard hats before the whistle blew. And Jesus says they get the same pay as the guys and the girls who were there early and did the work. And we don't like that. And perhaps we don't like that, especially as Americans, right? But but what we have to ask ourselves is, is that, you know, is, is God an American? No, God is not an American. And so we're trying to figure out as Christians, right, uh, above our national sort of loyalties and ethics, uh, what is the mind and the heart of God? And, and this story releases that, that so much. Uh, if it was just about right and wrong, well, it's a slam dunk, and the story is a, has no power because the older brother was right, the younger brother was wrong, and therefore the father doesn't have to run to him and give him any kind of welcoming gesture. He can just bring him back, if he's merciful, as a farmhand, and he can live with the farmhands way down at the end of the property. And that's the end of the story because that's right and logical. But there's this other thing about love, about love, which is there's something more at stake than being right.
1: So Bishop, you will often remind us of the importance of prayer. And um, you you have a recommendation in this devotion for praying for those who have heard us for 40 days, which you suggest may give us a new appreciation for those we love and maybe even those we struggle to love. I'm wondering if you have a personal story you might share about me- maybe how practicing this transformed your own relationships or maybe a story of someone else you might know.
0: Well, I mean that's the thing about living with scripture, right? These stories come to your remembrance. You 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 see yourself as you as you even have struggle and strife with people you see yourself through the lens of these of these stories so there there are times when i have been upset and i have been the older brother and there have been times that i was uh, pleading for mercy and i have been the younger brother in my life perhaps too numerous to uh, to 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 list on the podcast i can tell you one of my favorite stories about the power of this of this story because i i think that's probably one of the other great gifts here is, is that we have these stories and they live with us, and like water on a stone, they work on us. Um, we live with them over many decades. We we shift around in the story. We're one character one year, and we're another character another year, and so on. I've been everything in this story, but the fatted calf, you know, uh, that uh, that that ultimately becomes the the barbecue. But one of my but we've got to also minister the power of these stories, you know, because when you, when sometimes. Uh, um, we find in relationship, people are struggling. Um, it's the gift of these stories that can sort of uh, uh, give them a great gift of grace and perspective and maybe even healing. My favorite story about this is, is that I remember a very long time ago, I had uh, dear friends. My wife and I had dear friends, and they're just sort of a mega power couple and they were on their way, and they had gotten engaged, and uh, you know all the fancy people were notified that we were going to have this big, wonderful wedding, and it was just every side of it was delicious, uh, except um, uh, there was an infidelity that came to light uh, even while they were engaged, um, by by the person's confession, something stupid something out of line with his sort of regular way to be in the world. But nevertheless, it came to light. And then the relationship spiraled out of control, and the gentleman ended up on my couch. <laughs> and, and, uh, and we tried to comfort and care and listen to the confession and all of that. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, to not a lot of avail. I mean, this, this, he thought he'd lost the very best thing in the whole world, and it was by his own doing his own foolishness. And so he was trapped in a in a terrible prison of his own making that he had lost this uh uh wonderful woman. And uh and so because we were friends, the woman called me maybe, I don't know, days, weeks later to chat with me. And uh she's a high-powered lawyer and I was trying to tell her some stuff and give her some you know comfort and pastoral advice, maybe, maybe platitudes, I don't know. And she was batting them away like, you know, Serena Williams bats away tennis balls. You know, it was just, it, I was, she was just handing my lunch to me. I was, you know, she could out logic me and out argue me. It was just, it was pitiful. And, uh, you know, in the middle of all of that exchange, you know, I realized that I was, I was losing, uh, real fast. And, uh, you know, I prayed, uh, even as we were on the phone and I said, you know, Lord, Uh, I'm having my behind handed to me here, you know, and I'm trying to do something good here. Uh, you got to help me. And the, the only thing that came to mind, uh, for all of my learning and training and all my fancy education, the only thing that came to mind was this story, story of the prodigal son. Now, what was interesting was, is that the woman was not raised in church. She had not really had this church, this, sorry, this, uh, this story you know on her sort of playlist if you will and so i told her the story and uh you know it was amazing to hear someone hear the story you know fresh and um all, all i can say is is that at the end of that phone call i i felt like i had just lost a big game and uh you know and, and it was a valiant effort but lost a big game and here i was this poor little pastor uh, trying to give this two thousand year old story to a, a thoroughly modern woman uh, who was as bright as the sun, and uh, I've just I've just lost a big game, and uh, so we said goodbye and didn't hear much about it. Well, fast forward, uh, we danced at their wedding, and uh, and uh, you know their son is now uh, best friends with. Uh, my son uh, and, and they 're in college together um, the, the point being the point being somehow in the power of the story, both of them found a way back and uh you know when logic wouldn 't do it um, you know and dry reasoning wouldn't do it, and certainly being right wouldn't do it. Uh, somehow, in this dramatic story that Jesus tells about about somebody who got it all wrong, and somebody whose heart was big enough to accept you even when you're wrong, uh, made a difference in their real life. And so I, I tell that story uh, when when I get around to talking about this story of Jesus, because in the real world, these stories still matter. These these real these stories are still generative. They are still healing. They are still uh, aspirational for us. At some, sometimes, sometimes they uh, they produce conflict in our souls. Uh, but the Holy Spirit is still at work in these stories, and that's why we have to know them and be be ready to not only live with them ourselves, but offer them to others.
1: Bishop, thanks for that great reminder, and thank you for listening to Four People. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.